Well, good morning, Hills family. How we doing? So good to see you guys here at the, the North Campus. We want to welcome all of you, uh, all the Hills family here that are Many, many locations, but one church. We want to say hello out to the Tulare Street campus, Pastor Brandon, our Old Town campus, Pastor Dwayne over there, up our campus up at Novato, uh, Pastor Dave and all of you guys. Love you guys. And here at the north of Cologne, of course, we want to welcome all of you as well. It is good to be here. We have some kiddos that are coming in. I don't know if the camera's catching them, but we got some kiddos coming over here because we're going to celebrate some stuff. But before we get to that celebration, I want to remind you where we're at here at Clovis Seals. We're in the middle of a series called Raised to Life. Raised to Life. In fact, it's more than a series. It's a gospel movement. It's a gospel initiative. And uh, you've heard Pastor Sean, you've heard Pastor Mitch over the last couple of weeks talk about this uh, Raise to Life campaign. And uh, just a reminder, just a quick reminder, want to keep it on your radar what the Raise to Life campaign is. Maybe if it's your first time, you'll hear about it now, but want to keep it on the radar for those of you who, who have heard it before. But the Raise to Life campaign is, is basically going to unfold in three ways. One, we are raising new disciples over the next two years. Yeah. Over the next two years, we are going to be focused on raising new disciples. Oh, Three weeks ago, Pastor Sean introduced the Raise to Life campaign, and he shared that the vision is over the next two years that here at the Hills family, we would see 2,000 individuals come to Christ and 1,000 individuals baptized. That is an audacious goal. That is an incredible goal. But that's raising new disciples. And then raising new churches is the second one. We are talking about over the next two years as part of the gospel initiative, the Race to Life campaign, that we are going to see 15 churches started, 10 internationally and five here on the West Coast. And so not only are we raising new disciples, but we're raising new churches. And then the third part is raising new buildings. We're talking about here at the North Campus. I don't know if you guys realize this, but at the North Campus, our student ministry, our junior high, our high school, they are exploding. Kids are coming to Christ. The, new, the next generation, you know, we always worry about the next generation. Man, they are doing well. They are coming to Christ. And we're running out of room. And so we're talking about here at the North Campus. Yeah. Talking about here at the North Campus, building a youth facility, a high school facility over here that would serve as a multi-purpose room, a gym, and, and some hangout areas and things like that. And then at our Old Town Campus, we're talking about building as part of this campaign some fellowship area as that campus continues to explode and expand in our Old Town Campus. And then our Tulare Street Campus, we put in a brand new parking lot, put some AC units up, and, and we're taking that money and using it to help and serve the community by offering an after-school program for kids that have nowhere else to go after school. And so Melissa and her team are leading that. We already started that in faith, so it's good. And then our Tulare campus up there, the Hills Tulare, I mean not Tulare, Novato, the Hills Novato, uh, we're working on remodeling their, uh, their worship center up there in Novato. And so as they continue to grow and new people come in, uh, they'll, they'll be able to hear the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. So it's a campaign. It's happening. Two years. We're excited about it. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But before I do, uh, I don't know, many of you know that we, we have a team right now in India. 
And uh, they are over there as we speak doing some great ministry work in India. And then some of you might know that uh, in early October, I led a team over to Malawi, Africa. And it was awesome. Yeah. So good. Thank you for your prayers, your generosity, and covering us in prayer as we were over there. We did all kinds of ministry. I don't have time to go into it too deep, but man, God's alive and well in Malawi, Africa. I will tell you that. Uh, Several years ago, we planted uh, two churches, one inside of a prison in Malawi and one right outside of a prison. And I want you guys to meet our pastor, the pastor who is fully funded. He's one of our guys here from Clovis Hills. Uh, pastor Lewis, he just has a quick message for you. Let's see. Hello, Hills family. This is Pastor Lewis Chirwa from Nchisi, Malawi. We want to thank you, church, each individual member, for your support, supporting the work of Christ here in Malawi, especially in Nchisi, where the church plant is really striving well. I hope uh, Pastor Scott will show you uh, the pictures of what has happened within this week. But for the past three years or so, things have been uh, going on well and we are really changing from one level to another. Thank you for putting in your prayers and your support to make sure that the church in Malawi is growing and the church is reaching out to many people. We are expecting the Lord to do more, so keep us prayed up and keep us supported as you have already been doing. Thank you. Right, Pastor, Pastor Lewis, great, great guy. Hey, I do want to get into the passage, but, but I want to show you just a couple of quick pictures of exciting things that are happening in Malawi. It's amazing how God is moving there. Let's show, do we have the video? This is a video, this is a picture of us getting ready to have church in the prison right here. This is it, they're all ready. They're ready to roll right here, man. You notice there's no chairs or anything like that, but they're coming out and and we're about to worship right there. And then I have a video for you that, this is a video of the church that we planted outside of the prison and this is a Sunday morning. And man, you know how like when we say it's time to give to the Lord, all of you guys are like, yeah, because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. This is how they get down in Malawi right here when they're giving their offering. Show this video right here. Sunday morning. They're like dancing going up to give right here. Check this out. They're just giving their offering right in that bucket right there. Isn't that awesome? Then you're going to see my man Vinny back there dancing in a little bit. Look at that. Look at that moves Vinny has right there. You notice I ain't dancing. I ain't got that many moves. <laughs> so good. Sunday morning right here. Happens every Sunday morning. This is the Hills Family Malawi right there. The Hills Family Malawi. So good. If you notice, I wasn't dancing. I did dance up to give my offering. And then uh, I I was back there. But I don't know if you noticed in the video when they panned and you saw me on stage there, I was standing next to the, the chief. And this was like the chief of chiefs. In fact, we didn't even know he was coming to church that Sunday. But, but there was about seven chiefs in the service. But this, this man is the chief of chiefs. He like oversees 200 chiefs. So he's in charge of a large area. And so he got to come stand with me on the stage. Because Pastor Lewis, like, it's a very honoring culture. So when the head chief is there, you put him in the highest place. And so he's standing up there next to me. And I wasn't doing anything he wasn't doing. So if he wasn't dancing, I wasn't dancing, you know. Church, I gave the gospel that morning, 
And that chief came forward to accept Christ. Man, so good, so good. Pastor Lewis was like blown away. He's like, you don't understand if this man is discipled and he follows through and he becomes a follower of Jesus, that this whole region can change because he's in charge of 200 chiefs. This is what God's doing all around the world, right here, right through this church. I love it. He's baptizing people all over the world. Check it out. We baptized 27 people in prison. Those are prisoners right there in our church. 27 people that we started this church in prison gave their lives to Christ, and we're baptizing them right here. Here's another. This is our church in Mexico right here, our partners in Mexico. They're baptizing right there. My man Freddie's taking a picture. So good. And then a couple weeks ago, I was at our Tulare Street campus, and look at They're baptizing as well. Check it out. Right there. Just so good. God is moving. Not only are people coming to Christ, but they're getting baptized. And we get to experience that this morning. So let's give it up to those who are getting baptized this morning. Yeah. All right. Good morning. Good morning. So we have uh, two baptisms in children's ministry uh, today. Jesus says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And today we're going to baptize Alina. So Alina, I have two questions for you. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he was raised again on the third day? Yes. And what is your good confession? Jesus is Lord. Amen. That's right. So, Alina, it's because of your good confession that Colin and I can now baptize you, our sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to walk in eternal life. Again, this is just a symbol of an inward decision of accepting Christ. This is the outward expression of that inward decision that they are going into the waters of baptizing, proclaiming that they are followers of Christ. And like Jeff said, man, look at the young ones doing it. I love it. So we uh, have a future African missionary right here. His name is Nathan. And uh, Nathan, I have a couple important questions for you. You ready? Mm -hmm. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he was raised again on the third day? Yes. And what is your good confession? Jesus is Lord. Amen. Nathan, it's because of your good confession that Colin and I can now baptize you, our brother in Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, and raised and walk in eternal life. Thank you guys, so good. Those of you who are watching online and all our campuses, we have a bunch of kiddos right here in the pit area. So church, we just want to say thank you. Thank you guys for joining us. So good. I believe you're going to go back now. Your parents got to stay for my boring sermon, but you don't. Aren't you lucky? So good. <laughs> all right, guys, we are going to jump into this. This morning, we are going to continue on this whole theme of Raised to Life. And I was given the task to talk about the subject of risk and what risk is. I know once you hear the word risk, your mind immediately starts going places. Probably to places like risk management. You know what it's like. Anytime we risk something, we're just like, okay, I'm gonna ha I have to risk this, but, but how can I come out on the other side with the least amount of damage? Like, like how, can I, how can I manipulate this? But we risk all the time, don't we? 
We risk all the time. Those of you who have money in the stock market, you are taking a risk. You're, you're, you're risking that your money is going to grow instead of decline. That's the risk there. If you want to take a risk, I'll tell you what you could do right now. Every morning I drop my daughter off at school at Clark Junior High, and that's a risk, I'm telling you. Going in and out of that traffic. Can, can I just say one thing if you're a parent of a student at Clark Junior High and you drop off your kid like I do? Can you just pull over to the side and drop your kid off where it's safe instead of the middle of the street? Come on. That's a risk those kids are darting in and out. It's, it's crazy over there, but it's a risk. And we take risks all the time. But this morning, I want to talk to you about taking the risk of faith. Taking the risk of faith. Not only just placing our faith in God, but understanding that we have to do so sacrificially. That there is nothing promised to us in God's word that if we give X amount of money, that we're going to get X amount of money back. That if we give X amount of hours in service, we're going to get X amount of hours added to our life or whatever you might think out there. There's, there's no guarantee that. That's why it's called faith. And when we risk in putting that faith into God, what we're saying to God is that, God, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, you are my King, and I am going to offer up to you my life, and you do with it what you please. That's the risk of faith. And we're going to talk about that this morning, and I want to talk to you about a very familiar story that gives us this idea right here. So if you have your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, however you access the Word of God, I want you to meet me in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 25. As you are looking that up, I want to remind you where we're at in this passage. In chapter 13 ends with Jesus talking to the multitudes. There's people pressing in on him. All day long he's been teaching, he's been feeding, he's been around these crowds and he looks to the disciples and says, hey, we need some alone time. So he tells the disciples, get in a boat, you head off into the lake, I'm gonna be with you shortly. So he wraps up what's happening with the crowds and then Jesus goes off by himself onto the mountain and spends some alone time with God. And as he's spending some alone time with God, the disciples are on the boat, just like Jesus told them to do, and then some wind came up, some weather came up, and the waters began to get choppy. And this is where we're going to pick up the story right here as the disciples are in the boat. It says this in verse, uh, starting in verse 25, it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is God's word. And I forgot, you to, I forgot to ask you to stand so you can now be seated. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. 
This is a very familiar passage in scripture, isn't it? There's many of you actually today that have probably heard 10, 15 messages on this exact story. And the danger of using a passage that is very familiar to people is that as soon as you hear that there's going to be a sermon, you're like, ah, I heard of everything, click, tune out. But I want to encourage you guys to hang in there with me this morning. Hopefully we could get into some pieces that perhaps might be fresh light on this passage. But what we have is Jesus walking on the water. All kind of turbulence is happening around the disciples. And by the way, can I remind you, and I want to remind you several times this morning, that the disciples were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They were in the boat. Jesus said, get in the boat, go onto the lake. They got in the boat, they were in the lake. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They were being obedient. Just like us on Sunday morning, Jesus says, don't, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembly together, gather together. And that's what we do. We want to be obedient. Those who are followers of Jesus want to be obedient to what Jesus tells us to do. And so the disciples are like, hey, you say get into the boat, let's get in the boat. And so they they are in the boat, but Jesus is not there. And all of a sudden a storm starts kicking in. The wind starts to, to, to come up and they begin to be afraid. They begin to be frightened. I love this part of the story, by the way. I think it's hilarious. Here you have 12 burly men, they're fishermen. 12 dudes, I mean, they've been in storms before. They're fishermen. They're men's men. They're burly men. Two of them are called the sons of thunder. I mean, these guys are like men. And I love the part right here. It says, when, when, the, when they saw something walking on the water, they all cried, it's a ghost. I love that. I could picture like 12 burly men. Ah! You know there's not a woman on that boat. You know why there's a woman? We know there's not a woman on the boat. And this is how we know. Because if there was even one woman on the boat, they would not have been crying. They would have been like, oi. Looks like there's something out on the water. <laughs> Men, don't, don't scream like that in front of ladies. In fact, they were probably hoping there was one woman on the boat said that she would yell on their behalf. These 12 burly men on a boat see this figure walking towards them. They think it's a ghost, but as they get, as Jesus begins to get closer, they hear Jesus say three comforting words. And I don't know about you, but when the storms of life happen, when the chips are down, when things are going on around us that just seem chaotic, I need to hear these words from my Savior as well. And as Jesus gets closer, he says three things to him. He preaches a sermon to him. He says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Oh, those words of Jesus, how we often need to hear those words. And how many times have you entered into a place of worship? How many times have you come together and life just seems so out of control and you just need to hear those comforting, affirming words of our Savior, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And so I'm not taking anything away from the disciples this morning. I'm not taking anything away. I'm not even saying that they're disobedient because they're not disobedient. They're doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They're in the boat. 
And what a better place to be than in a boat. And when the wind is kicking up and the storms are happening, to hear your Savior in those comforting words, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. It's a pretty good place to be inside that boat. Pastor Sean, three weeks ago, if you haven't heard his message, the very first message of the Race of Life series, let me just give you a little piece of it. Three weeks ago, he challenged us. In fact, he told us that one of his prime responsibilities as our senior pastor is to not let this place become a monument. Do you remember that? He says, dude, we cannot let this church become a monument. And it's so easy to become a monument. What he meant was we cannot rest on our laurels. We cannot just sit back and say, wow, God is moving. We have got to answer the invitation that God gives us on a daily basis to join him where he is working, where he is moving. And as a church, we have to have to bold enough to answer that in the affirmative and say, God, wherever you call us, we're going to go. And so what we have is we have people in the boat doing exactly what God told them to do. Just like us as a church, we can continue to come and do what God told us to do, assemble together and hear three-point messages. I don't even have a point to this message, so that's not my message, but... And we're good. I'm telling you, we're good. The problem is that's the exact definition and difference between a monument and a movement. A monument says, man, I'm just going to gather here and I think we've done enough work in the past. I just want to come and be comforted by the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is every day God is moving and he's wanting to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He wants to get the life-saving message of the gospel that you and I have been transformed by. He wants to take that message to a world that so desperately needs to hear it and he wants to use his church to do it. And so the problem is we can't stay in the boat. We can't stay in the monument. We cannot create the monument. We need to create a movement. And in order to create a movement, it means we need to get out of the boat. So here's the invitation. Not that invitation. That'll come later on in the service. But here's the invitation that Christ gives each one of us. You can stay in the boat. And I'm not even saying, I'm not arguing you're outside of the will of God. Or you could do what Peter did and get out of the boat and be part of a movement. Look what Peter says. I love Peter. Out of all 12 disciples, Peter chimes up. They're like, that's a ghost. Jesus is like, no, 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 hold on. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. As soon as Peter hears those words, I love Peter's heart. Because you know what Peter said? Peter says, if that's you, Lord... What? If that's you, Lord? Like, who else is walking on the water? What do you mean, if that's you? Of course it's Jesus. Who else could it be? It's not Bartholomew. That guy never does anything in the Bible. Of course it's Jesus. And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, I want you to tell me to come to you on the water. I love that, and this is why I love that. This is what Peter is saying. Peter's asking Jesus for a miracle. He's like, I want to see a miracle. If that's you, Jesus, I want to see a miracle. And you're like, he's walking on the water. That's a pretty good miracle. 
But what Peter was saying is this. Peter was saying this. Peter was saying, God, I don't want you to prove who you are to me. I want you to prove who I am with you. And if we want to see miracles happen, if we want to see God move, then we got to get out of the boat and we can't just be satisfied for asking God for a miracle. By the way, have you ever asked God for a miracle but didn't want to be part of the miracle? Oh, that got quiet real fast. Have you ever asked God for a miracle but didn't want to be involved in the miracle? That question's up right now because that's where I want to plant this morning. I want to challenge us this morning to think through the Raise to Life campaign and the risk that it's going to take, not only corporately as a church, but each one of us as being part of the Hills family. And make no mistake, church, what we are about to do and encounter and get into in the next two years, if it is going to happen, 2,000 people coming to Christ, 1,000 people being baptized, seeing new churches started all over the world, seeing buildings being built, raising $6.5 million above and beyond what we normally give. Make no mistake, it is going to be a miracle. We can't do this on our own. We need 100% buy-in. We need 100% of those who call Clovis Hills, the, the Hills Family Church, home. And we're going to do this together, and it's going to be a miracle. And I'm glad at, at the Hills family that we don't set low expectations, but we set expectations that we know that we have to risk, that we got to put ourselves out there for. Because the only way we're going to see God move and the only way we're going to give God glory is to put something out there that only he can do. Yes. And only he could do it. See, Peter understood that in order to be involved in the miracle, he needed to understand, he needed to get out of the boat and he under, needed to understand that it's Jesus who changes our experience, changes our lives, our dreams. The others were just still in the boat, doing what God told them to do, but not taking that risk. This morning, I wanna introduce you to some friends who did exactly that. They jumped out of the boat because they knew they needed to get to Jesus. And in getting to Jesus, Jesus was going to change their experience, their lives. Let's watch this together.
always clean Why has life become a plan To put some money in my head When the love I really need Is stupid cheap Stupid cheap thought after seeing the first one, I would, uh, man, I would get past that. But God is moving and changing lives. And I just wonder if sometimes you're still doubting God because you're looking for God to move outside of you. When in reality, he wants to move in you. He wants to change your experience. He wants to change your life. He wants to change your dreams. You just saw an example of people's lives who have been changed. But church, we got 2,000 more stories just like that to go over the next two years. It's going to be a miracle. But we're going to watch God move. And we're going to be able to say we were involved in the miracle. We didn't just pray for the miracle. But we are part of the miracle. Wow. But we need you to get out of the boat. We need you to get out of the boat. Listen, where you're at's good. Like I said before, they were doing exactly what they were told to do. But Peter only understood who he was when he was with Christ. And this church is founded firmly planted, their cornerstone is Jesus Christ. And we need to take that message around the world. 
And so I'm going to ask you to do something risky this morning. This is the practical part of my message. Every good message has a practical part. And I've already asked a good question that I hope you think through and answer and talk about among your family and friends. And the question was, if you remember, the question was, how many times have you prayed for a miracle but didn't want, to, didn't want God to use you as part of the miracle? I want you to think about that this week. And here's the practical side of the message. As you came in today, every seat had this card right here. You've probably seen it before. If you haven't, you might be sitting on it. Take it out. I want to explain this card because one, we've had some questions about it. And two, I want you to take this card and I want you to pray about it. This is what I'm asking you. This is the risk I'm asking you to take today. To take this card and you pray about it. Don't give lip service to it. I want you to pray about it. With your husband, with your wife, with your kids, with your family, with roommates, whatever you need to do. And then I want you to look at the card and see how you are going to participate in the Raise to Life Gospel Initiative. So at the very bottom here, I'm colorblind, but I think this is gold or orange or brown. I really am colorblind, so it's one of those three colors, I think. At the very bottom of that, it says, my total two-year all-in commitment. So this whole card is about a two-year commitment. The Raise to Life campaign is a two-year gospel initiative. So when we go right up back to the top box there, it says expected annual general fund giving. So what we want you to do is think through how much you were anticipating over the next two years giving to the church outside of the campaign, just like our normal giving. Now, whatever you give in a year, you times that by two because we're looking at a two-year picture here. You following me? So let me just say this, for example. If you were anticipating giving about $5,000 to the church next year, that's for one year, you double that, $10,000, you would put $10,000 in that top box. Then right underneath it, you have a plus mark, and then the second box is what your total giving will be towards the Raise the Life campaign, the gospel initiative. So for the sake of math, because I'm not that smart, let's just stay with $5,000. Let's say I'm going to give $5,000 a year towards the Raise the Life campaign. You times that by two because it's a two-year initiative and you put $10,000 there as well. Now you have $10,000 here, $10,000 here. I could do that math. 10,000 times 10,000 is 20,000 and that's what you would put at the third box there. (laughs) See, I can't do the math. This is my problem. (laughs) This is why I'm a preacher and not a mathematician. They don't let me teach math classes. You add up those two top boxes and you put it in the third box there. Now, if you go slide over to your right here on the card, you put the total that was in three, the third box, and then there's just another question right underneath there. That question is, do you plan on giving any assets to the Raise to Life campaign? Do you have any property? Do you have any um, Bitcoin? Do you have stocks or bonds? Or do you have... Um, cars or boats or whatever. 
Whatever you think you're going to, if you have any assets and you would like to give that, you can give that way as well. You give us what you think the estimation is there. You fill that out. You add those boxes together, and that's your two-year total commitment to the Race to Life campaign. Now, listen. I am asking you today to take a risk and go home and seriously pray about this. If you pray about it and God says, this is just not your time, you can't give, that's okay. I want to take that guilt off you right now. We're not going to put pictures of you in the office and throw darts at you, say, oh, that's the ones who don't give. They don't even like kids, you know. They don't like high schoolers. Why build it? No, we're not going to do that. In fact, very few people, there's only a handful of people that are actually going to see these cards. Our whole staff doesn't see them. We don't have a wanted list. You know, you didn't fill out the card. Go get them. You know, that kind of thing. We don't. But we are seriously this morning asking you to take a risk. A risk of faith. We gamble every day. And we're asking you to gamble on God and his church. Because we know there's more people out there who need those cardboard testimonies, who are just waiting to hear the gospel and their lives be changed because of it. Listen, man, we just went, we just had these elections on Tuesday and I'm listening to the crazy news and they're just like, yeah, they invested $45 million in this county right here. And I'm just like, for what? So somebody from this side or this side could win and still make no difference in the world? I'm asking you to invest in the kingdom of God who we know makes a difference because your lives and my life have been transformed by the gospel. Next week, Pastor Sean's going to give the final message on the Race to Life campaign. He's going to give the final one. You're going to hear about it for the next two years, and we'll introduce it every now and then throughout the two years. But next week, what we're going to ask you to do is take this home, pray about it, fill it out, bring it back next week, because we're going to collect them next week. At all of your campuses, we're going to collect them there as well. Online, there's digital copies. In fact, this week, expect an email from us with a digital copy of this if you don't like paper. But here is my challenge to you. And that is, don't stay in the boat. Jesus had an intimate conversation with Jesus that nobody else who stayed on the boat heard. You see, what happened, the rest of the story is this. As Jesus was walking on the water, by the way, I'm glad I didn't write the Bible and the Holy Spirit did and its truths. Because I think a better ending to that story would have been like if all the disciples would have went, man, look at Peter, he's on the water, let's go. (laughs) I just think it would have been a better ending, but I'm not God. I also wonder too that like if I was there, I would have tried to do a cannonball into the water. And if Jesus, if Peter was walking on the water, would I have bounced off the water or would I have sunk? I don't know. These are the things that go through my brain, but I digress. There's only two people in history that walked on water, Jesus and Peter. Jesus could walk on the water because he is God. Peter needed Jesus to walk on the water. We all need Jesus. 
And there's times in our life, just like Peter, we get out of the boat and we're being obedient to God and we just want to be near God and we want to have these personal, you know, relationship with God. Well, in order to do that, you got to get out of the boat. Those disciples didn't hear the conversation that ensued. The conversation is this, Peter's walking on the water and he starts to look at the wind because there was all kinds of chaos happening And as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he sunk in the water. But what happened next was amazing. Without anybody else being able to hear, Jesus looks down at Peter and says, you dummy, I told you you were going to sink. Look at you now. How are you going to get out of that situation? He didn't say that. He looked down and he heard Peter say these words, save me. What a great prayer that is, by the way. How many times have you had to say that prayer in your life? Save me. I've had to a bunch. And in that moment, Peter yells out this prayer, save me. And Jesus puts down his hand and he says, you bet I will. And he picks him up and he puts him right back on the water. And then he looks at him and says, why did you doubt? You were walking and you were focused on me and you were coming right towards me. You were declaring to everybody else in the boat who was unwilling to get out and to a world that when you focus on me, you ain't sinking. Why did you doubt? You of little faith, he said. By the way, I want to remind you that Jesus said all you need is the faith of a mustard seed to move mountains. So I don't think he was ridiculing Peter. He was just saying, man, it just took... Enough faith to get out of the boat. And I got the rest. If you just focus on me, I got the rest. See, you come towards me. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You come towards me and I will give you life and life abundantly. You get out of the boat, we'll have moments like this where life begins to make sense. But it's time to get out of the boat. And let's operate, not as a people who pray for miracles, but for people who would pray, God, use me in doing this miracle. I know you're moving. I know you have invited us to join you where you're moving. And so may I be bold enough to step into that and be used by God. That's the challenge this morning, church. You might be here this morning going, what in the world is raised to life? What did I step into? uh, All I can say is this. If you are here this morning and you were invited by a guest, welcome home. Welcome home. We're so glad you are here on all of our campuses. And I know we've talked about some money this morning. And guess what? I'm not apologizing for that. Because God's about to do some things in the next two years that's going to blow all of our minds. But if you're a guest this morning and you're here and somebody invited you or maybe you just walked in, I want you above and beyond anything else to know this God personally just like Peter did, just like I do, and just like so many people in this room do. And you can do that. See, the Bible says that we can have a relationship with God. In fact, the Bible says that all of us are sinners, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that it's a gift. And that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Just like Peter was saved, you could be saved as well. And you could have life and life abundantly as Jesus describes. Purpose and meaning to your life. See, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And you might be here this morning and you're like, man, all I heard you say is wah, wah, wah. But I know that I'm in a storm and I know I need to be saved. If that's you this morning, you're in the right place. Because just like Jesus reached out and grabbed Peter when he said, save me, Jesus wants to do the same thing for you. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, the Bible says that he is, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, he says that Jesus is standing at our heart's door and he's knocking And he says that if anybody opens the door to him and asks him to come in, he will come in and he will live with you and he will be with you. If that's the desire of your heart this morning, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna give you a prayer. The prayer goes something like this, Lord, I need you. And I open up my life and I ask you to come in. Forgive me of my sin and make me the kind of person you want me to be. Now, if you can't remember all that, that's okay. Just do what Peter said and look up and say, save me. Save me. Either way, today is the day of the salvation, the Bible says. This is your day. This is your moment. You are not invited by accident. You are not here by accident. We might have been talking about all kinds of other stuff, but today is the day that God is calling your name. And will you get out of the boat and respond to him? by asking him to come into your life and becoming a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. So Father...